Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Last week, we had revealed to us by God through Paul, God's mysterious plan. And by the word mysterious, it didn't mean some type of spooky kind of story. It meant that what was once a secret is now made plain knowledge that is now revealed that the church, what we're doing right here today is part of God's redemptive plan, not only here at Homeland Park, but all across Anderson County, all across the world. There are people partaking in God's mysterious plan that has been revealed to bring people unto himself. And where does that plan start? Of course, it originates with God, but it begins with you and I. The plan for the church begins with you and I. And that's what Paul follows up with in our text today, because your heart and your will and your obedience and desire to grow makes an impact on God's plan for the church. And here, Paul's heart today, as he encourages believers to grow and to go, to grow and to go. That's what he wants us to do, is to grow and to go. Can you say that? To grow and to go. Very good. I knew you could. That is his plan for our life. And so it's when we talk about the church today, we're talking about not only what we're experiencing together, but we're also talking about the church as a whole the church of Jesus Christ. And so you have the ability today to choose which way to go. Now, some of you, uh, your parents made the choice for you today to come to church, and some of you uh, were asked to come to church, and some of you just decided to come to church. And isn't it great how all of that just works together? So we must do everything that we can. If we are going to be a part of God's mysterious plan this morning, we as an individual must be prayer. And pray and do everything we can to achieve and to make it happen. You see, prayer prepares you to make the decisions and to take actions in God's strength rather than your own. Look at this like a a team. A team is only as strong as its weakest link. And so that's why it's important for teams to get the right people together that will motivate and be a cohesive unit among the team so they can operate together. And that's what we are. We are a team. We are on God's team. He is the coach. He's the one in charge. And we are just banding arm in arm together to do what the Lord has called us to do. So as we begin, we must be prepared through prayer. If we are going to be the church, our part Your part and my part is to be prepared through prayer. Let's read verses 14 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 3. It says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, now underline this, glorious and unlimited, glorious and unlimited resources, he will empower You with inner strength through the Spirit. We see here that Paul is illustrating the very first critical filling God's plan for your life is praying for the power greater than yourself. Let me backtrack just a minute. I just said something that I want to make sure you caught. 
God has a plan for your life, whether you're on the back row or the front row or somewhere in between, or if you're on the stage right here. God has a plan for every one of us, and you are not going to be able to fulfill that plan in your own strength. I remember in my life, when I tried to live my life on my own, I always seemed to end up short. I always seemed to take Two steps forward and one step back, or one step forward and two steps back. It just, it wasn't working right until I gave God control of my life and I plugged into the power that He had for me. And it begins with prayer. And so we see here is that here Paul is saying, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. There's a lot to say in the scripture when Paul talks about the position of his body. So what we see here, Paul is saying, when we approach God, We need to approach him like we mean it. We don't need to approach God like a mall Santa Claus and crawl up in his lap and tell him what we want for Christmas. We are to fall in humble and reverence to God and fall to his knees because here was Paul who was once called Saul. He was one of the most powerful religious and political men of those days and he is falling to his knees and bowing. To God. As Paul says, he falls to his knees. In those days, people often prayed while standing up. So for someone to fall on their knees and to bow before their knees and to get on their knees was a sign of ultimate respect. And sometimes we need to show God that by taking a knee by our bedside, taking a knee at the altar, taking a knee wherever we may be, and praying to God and saying, God, give me the power to do this because I can't do it on my own. You see... When he bowed his knees, it showed two things. It was a sign of his desperation, and it was a sign that his faith was in God. When we bow to God, we are bowing away from ourselves. We are humbling ourselves and saying, I've done it the best I can. I've screwed it up. Now, God, you take over. Please, I give. It's kind of like when you used to... Somebody may have taken your arm and put it behind your back and told you to say uncle before they let you go. I hated that. I still hate that. I hate people to do that. I don't want to have to say uncle. I want to be in charge of my own life, right? But there are some times where God has taken me and put my face to the mat and spiritually said, okay, son, say uncle. And I would say uncle. If you've ever been on the mat and God's put you on the mat, it may be because either God has done it Or your choices have put you there. But either way, he is there with you on the bottom of the mat. And it's those points. The reason prayer is so important, it helps us remember our connection. Paul was praying to the Father. The Father, the creator of heaven and of earth. And with that, with God as the creator of the universe... We often forget the value of that connection. Now, I have just said God is the creator of the universe, and you can pray to him, and it just, because we hear it every Sunday, and it goes right over our heads. We hear it, it gives us a warm fuzzy for a second, and then we start thinking about whatever's worrying us again. Folks, he is the creator of everything. He created everything, the pew that you're sitting on. He created the materials for it. He gave people the knowledge to be able 
to assemble it. God created the automobile you used to get here this morning. He gave people the materials and the knowledge. God created this wonderful cooler weather, but he also created the hot weather. He created the rain that fell yesterday in some places because he knew we needed it. And if God can do that, God can take care of you. If you will just remain connected to him, he will show you. But it takes us bowing before him and praying. You see, you are connected to the creator of the universe, which means you are connected with the creator of all things. The creator of your past, the creator of your present, and the creator of your future. You see, the church is a representation of that connection. You show me a church that's out of touch and out of date, and I'll show you a body of believers that are not connected to God. And I'm not talking numbers. I'm talking ministry. I'm talking impact. If we want to receive all of God's blessings, that includes being being involved in a church connected with others who are doing the same. A Barna research study revealed that only 10% of people going to church even desire to have some type of community and connection with it. So if you have in a room a 100 people and only 10 people even care about connecting and going to the next step, how is that a church? That sounds like to me a meeting. That sounds like to me a concert. That sounds like to me something where you just want to go for the show and go home and feel better about yourself. That is not God's mysterious plan. That is you and I satisfying our desire to worship and being able to check it off the list and go live the rest of the week like we want to live. There is no community in that. There is no power in that. We must lean on our God connection to reach out to the disheartened and the disinterested. There are people, maybe even some here today, that just, you're here, you know, oh, preacher, I get it. You want me to come to church? Move on. It's more than that. It's not about your attendance. It's not, look, it's okay if the pew you're sitting in doesn't have your body in it today or next week. It's not about the position of your keister. It's about the position of your heart. It's about the position of where you are with God and not only where you are with God, but how your walk can impact someone else. Why in a world filled with loneliness are people refusing to connect? I mean, some people, I think some of it is social media. Social media is not the problem, but it's a representation. There are people that will have 900 to 1,000 friends on their friends list, but yet at the end of the night, they are still alone. You may have somebody retweet you. You may have somebody tag you in a post. You may have the best looking Instagram photo you have ever seen. But after the thrill of everybody liking it and moving on, you're like, huh, they know, nobody likes it anymore. And then you're stuck with yourself being lonely. I don't know what it is about social media, but it's like we try to portray in social media what we want everybody to think we are when actually we're nothing like who we portray. I know some of you older folks say, well, preacher, you're not talking to me. I don't even know what social media is. I don't have a Facebook, I don't have a media, nothing, and I, I don't even touch a computer. That's all right. You still struggle with what people think about you. 
and you still struggle with wanting to fit in. You still struggle with wanting to be a part of a group. You still struggle with wanting community. Whether you have a smartphone, a dumb phone, or no phone. The reason our world is so lonely is because there's a lack of love, there's a lack of encouragement, and there's a lack of connection. The organizations that I'm a part of, I am a part of them because I want to make a difference. I have always, even when I was in the youth group and I went to go to the church, I wasn't satisfied with sitting in the back and hearing the show because, quite honestly, the show wasn't that exciting. What was exciting is getting in the trenches and being with the people hand in hand, shoulder in shoulder, Doing the work that God has called us to do. And that's my prayer for you too. Look, I'll go ahead and tell you. I've heard people say, and I believe that we are a loving church. I'm very proud of our church. But a loving church that will shake your hand on Sunday morning is nothing if they won't go out and see you during the middle of the week. It's nothing unless you have an issue at home and you need somebody right now. Or that you have a doctor's appointment and you can't get a hold of the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or the deacon. You could call somebody that sits in the pew beside of you that's not part of your family and call them and know that they will genuinely and honestly pray for you. That is community. That is what we need. And that is what Paul is talking about. Because if you tried to serve God on your own apart from the church, you are cutting yourself from God's power that flows through it. Now, I'm going to meddle on some people. I know some of you have some friends and maybe even think this way that say, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You are absolutely right. There is nothing that says that church attendance is a requirement for salvation. I'm not going to argue with that. But I'll tell you what, the power flows through his people. And if you refuse to be with his people, that is a power you will not access. I preach that the church is full of hypocrites. Come on and be one more. I'm serious, including myself. We are not perfect people, but we are people that are on a journey that we're trying to figure it out and get it right. Most of the things that I have learned in my life have either been from when I failed or someone else failed and I learned from their mistakes. And I've had people, when I have failed, come beside me and say, you know what, James, that's okay. I've been there. I've done that. If you try this time, maybe you'll have better luck. Or I've, I've failed and people say, look, I still love you. Let's pick you up and let's move on. And they were being God for me. They were being his hands. They were being his mouth. They were being his, his eyes as they encouraged me. And it came from a church family. I'm very blessed by that. And it's my prayer that God would one day have that here at Homeland Park Baptist Church in the world. Because if we were truly like that, you couldn't fit the people in here. Prayer brings strength as well. We see in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. Have you ever heard the fact, how do you know that somebody's saved? How do you know that you're saved today? How do you know that you have a relationship with God? How do you know that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity with Jesus? And we always say, and it's the truth, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, 
If when you prayed to receive Christ, you changed and you transformed into something not perfect, but something different, something better, something yearning to serve God, not always getting it right, probably most of the time getting it wrong, but still striving, and you have that inner Holy Spirit within you, then yes, you are saved. And the thing I want you to see is that not only is the Holy Spirit proof of salvation, it is the power to develop your salvation. It's not just about getting your fire insurance. It's about getting the power to live, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Someone once said, if it took God, the Holy Spirit... Out of the world, most of the Christians that we know would be going on right on, and nobody would know the difference. Look, I know my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, they're all about the Holy Spirit. And I get that. And if that's the way they want to worship, that's great. Some of you have been to holiness churches. Some of you go to holiness churches. You have families go to holiness churches. Look, if you want to jump a pew, jump a pew. If you want to take a lap, take a lap. If you want to sit there and you want to you want to look like the frozen chosen and be in the good old Baptist, you do that. As long as God is working in your life. I don't care what you do. As long as you are worshiping, as long as you are honest, and as long as you are sincere with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He gives you the power to make it through life. Let me show you this verse that a lot of you have seen before. 1 Corinthians 10:13. Not only does he give you the power in life to live, but he gives you the power to stand up under whatever is getting you. It says in 1 Corinthians 10:13, the temptations in your life are no different from the others that what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Some of us just want to say, oh, this is so heavy. God, take it off of me. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. He says, no, you're not going to learn anything that way. Let me give you the power to either get out from under it or to endure it. And that's how we learn. And your lessons become tools for me when I need it. And vice versa, because if you are a believer in Jesus today, on the authority of God's word, stop letting the powerless steal your power. Stop living your life by your circumstances. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to change your circumstances with the right choices. Stop listening to your voices in your head and talk to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to stand for God. Don't be your own kryptonite, folks. Don't be the thing that's holding you back from what God wants from you. Your superpower is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, according to Paul, is unlimited with no data plan restrictions. The second thing we see is that we need to get some depth to your spiritual understanding. Get some depth. I don't know about you, but uh, it looks cute to see kids playing in a kiddie pool, but it looks kind of creepy to see an adult swimming in one. Years ago, Don and I were serving in North Carolina, and there was a sweet family who had a baby boy. The doctors were concerned that he was not growing fast enough So they called in specialists. They called in doctors. We had a prayer meeting at the church, and the pastor at the time actually anointed the young man's head with oil. 
and they were so worried that he wasn't growing right. And, and it was a legitimate concern, and the church prayed and prayed. That young man ended up being a fantastic athlete and is now going to NC State. What's my point? When a child is not growing and developing, rightly so, there's a lot of concern. But why is it that when Christians refuse to grow, nobody says a word? You realize that there are people that don't want you to grow because your growth will make their lack of growth stick out like a sore thumb. They would rather beat you down than them to have to rise up. I get it. It's comfortable to sit back and to observe all that goes on in a church and ministry. It's much easier to sit back and armchair quarterback everything that you see and hear. But those that are doing that are still doing it ten years later. Where is the concern, folks? Where is the alarm? Where is the urgency for God's people to grow in their faith rather than to sit back and soak it up and then sour You are a part of God's mysterious plan today when you decided to get up and go to church today. You decided, I am going to be a part of God's plan. The next thing we see is, what does building depth in my spiritual life mean? Well, it means a few things. It means three things, actually. The first thing means is that Christ will make his home with you. He will dwell with you. This literally means to settle down and feel at home. You will not feel at home with someone you view as a guest. I can tell that, that people think a lot of me when I go into a house and they say, would you like something to drink? I say, yeah, I'd like something to drink. I say, you know where everything's at. Go get it. That's awesome. That's awesome because I say, look, your family, go ahead, go get it. But if I were a guest, oh, can I get you something here? I'll go get it. I'll be back in a minute. No. Jesus is not a guest. He dwells with us. He knows where the glasses are. If we're living right. Also, not only do we dwell, we need to be rooted. Your roots will grow as you grow as a Christian. The nutrients that a plant needs come from the soil and the ground. If you want the nutrients of God's Word, you have to root and, and, and immerse yourself in it. And not only are we dwelling with Christ, not only are we being rooted, but we are being grounded. I have seen over my years some huge, huge trees be blown over by little bursts of wind. And when you have this huge tree that's laying on the side, sometimes beside a house, sometimes on a house, you will see that the reason it was blown over, because the roots were insufficient for the size of the tree. Or the roots have died. Or the roots were weak. Folks, when our roots are weak, we will be blown by the smallest of winds in our lives. Unless we are grounded in God's Word and intertwining our roots with the roots of others. 
and strengthening one another. Today, I'm strong, but tomorrow, I may not be. There were times even as preaching in this church where I couldn't put my step, my foot in front of my next step, but there were people that surrounded me and guided me and held me up, and God used them, and I pray that I could do the same for them, and I pray that the same could be done for you. It's, it's time to stop trying to do this alone. John Wayne was a Hollywood character. He wasn't bigger than life. He just looked like it. Also, we see the roots you grow today will be the support for your storms of tomorrow. The roots you grow today will be the support for the storms you have tomorrow. Again, verse 19 says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Folks, be understanding. God's love is more than an experience or an explanation. There are times where you will not be able to explain to anybody, including yourself, what God is doing in your life. You only know that his hands are upon you. So don't let your lack of understanding keep you from experiencing God's love. Look, it is my prayer that every time you come into this sanctuary, you're going to feel one of them warm fuzzies on a, on a song or a scripture or a sermon or, or somebody says something to you. But sometimes you don't get warm fuzzies at church. You just get growth. You get worship. You get love. You get challenge. You get community. That's what church is. And the third thing that we see is that the church must honor God in verses 20 and 21. At the end of this letter, after proclaiming the fact that you and I, as believers, are part of God's mysterious plan, now revealed through the church, Paul ends with a beautiful, absolutely beautiful praise to God. He says in verse 20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. <laughs> Paul uses everything possible in his vocabulary to explain and communicate the vastness of God's love and power that we can find through a relationship with him. When Paul writes his mighty power is at work within us, the word power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. And when he says that the work that we will do will be unlimited, it is the term we get for energy. So the dynamite, explosive power in the energy that we get from living a life, Paul is saying, come straight from our relationship with God. So I would just conclude with this. Do not cut yourself off from God's unlimited plan. Oh, my goodness. We were watching a ball game last night. And it was close, back and forth. And wouldn't you know it, the Internet froze up. I mean, like in the last two minutes, I'm like, just trying to to hit the phone and and resetting routers and all that kind of stuff. I could not get connected. It was frustrating because I couldn't find out what was going on in that game. 
But the truth is, is that there is an unlimited power source that is flowing from God. And if we get disconnected from it, we ought to to get it back. Warren Wiersbe wrote about a time when he had an important speaking engagement in Chicago. The night before he was there, there was a terrible terrible storm, and his car was covered with snow and ice. So he was in a hurry, so he got up the next morning. He got the, the layers of ice and snow off his car, and it was around his wheels and his tires, and so he just kicked it, and it fell to the ground. So he went to the gas station to fill up, and he couldn't get the door open. Because the station attendant looked at it and he said, well, sir, here's your problem. And he pointed under the car to where when he had kicked that ice off of the wheel of the car, it broke the line that went from the battery to the gas gauge. In his haste, he had kicked the connection. Folks, the devil wants nothing more today than to cut you off from your power source. So what are the cord cutters to God's power. Number one, unbelief. Number two, unconfessed sin. Number three, careless living. Number four, living for the praises of others rather than the praise of God. And number five, a selfish attitude. Remember what Jesus said in John fifteen five: Apart from me, you can do nothing. And what does nothing mean? Nothing. God's mysterious plan revealed for the redemption of the world is made complete with the church. What a privilege it is to be chosen by God. Folks, you are the church. And your spiritual growth, an individual right where you are, right beside, right beside your wife, right beside your kids, right beside your friends, right beside all of us together, your individual walk determines the health of the entire church. So decide today to know God's unlimited power. Decide today to grow in your faith. And decide today not to just attend church. We don't want church attenders. We want people to be the church. There is unlimited power for you today if you choose to plug in. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together today. And Lord, I am so thankful for Homeland Park Baptist Church. And I'm thankful for the church as a whole, Lord, that was established as your mysterious plan, Lord, to redeem the world. And Lord, we are blessed with great people in this church. But Lord, help us not to think that this is just happening. Everything that happens here is because of you. I pray for our church. I pray for those here that not only would they take their walk seriously, but they would have concern for the walks of others. And if there's someone here today that does not know you as their Savior and Lord, and they need that forgiveness of sin that's cutting their power with you, Lord, may they confess that and repent that today. If someone wants to know you as their Savior today, may they come forward, and I will pray with them, Lord. Maybe someone wants to join this church and be a part of the ministry here. Maybe someone wants to get baptized. Maybe someone just wants to come and kneel at the altar today like Paul did. Whatever their decision may be, may it be made today for your glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?